The following is a live broadcast of a Lone Star Community Radio program. Recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and Facebook.com slash IRLoneStar. For more information on this show, please visit our show page at IRLoneStar.com slash shows. To sponsor or donate to this program, visit our donate page at IRLoneStar.com slash donate, or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com, or give us a call at 936-666-1084. Lone Star Community Radio production and broadcast is possible by folks like you. So sponsor and donate today. Hey guys, Connor from the Ticket Stub, and you are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. All right, we are live uh, here on Lone Star Community Radio's Dick and Skippy in the mornings. IRLoneStar.com, Lone Star Community Radio, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, broadcasting live from the LSCR studios. And we're, of course, we're on Facebook.com slash Dick and Skippy. And we are kicking it off right now. It's 914. We're going to be here till 11 o'clock. Our special guest today is someone who's running for Texas Senate District 4, Jay Stittleberg. He is... Has been on the show before several times, so we're excited. So if you have questions and everything during the show, feel free to comment on Facebook. Uh, just visit us on Facebook.com slash Dick and Skippy or call the message line 936-228-9368. We're just going to talk about whatever we want to talk about uh, before we get into the show. Uh, I would like to remind you guys that we do have a talker review we're going to release. I know we didn't release one on Monday, so we're going to release it today at 3 p.m. We uh, what? What's wrong? Oh, I probably have to hit click go. I always forget that. We're still live on FM, so get over it. And then and the website and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, so we're releasing. We went to Taqueria Rosie's. Rosa. Rosa. No, it's like, it's just Rosie. I you know, because when you go to their location, it has R-O-S-Y. And then when you go on their website, R-O-S-Y. And when you go to their website... It says R-O-S apostrophe or Y apostrophe S. So I don't know which one to call it. I'm, I don't know. I'm going to call it Rosie because that's the way it's on Google search. Also on the wall, it was Rosie's with an apostrophe S. Not on the sign behind you, I don't think. Yeah, next to the menu. No, I'm talking about the one you walked by. like the one. Yeah, that- I think they were just trying to make up names as they went along, but... Next to the menu, it was Rosie's. It was very. Uh, it was very. Uh, listen to the show. Listen to the review later because I don't want to tell you how good it was or how bad it was. You won't know till you watch the review. But the reviews are shorter now. We learned our lesson. Our original reviews were like 15, 20 minutes long. But then we like, well, it's a taco. It's not soylent green. So we we kind of knocked down the timing of it. So the quick reviews. But this one is interesting. Yeah, and uh, we'll get back to schedule on Monday. We're gonna go check a place out tomorrow. So, there you go. And uh, let's go on with the show. We have Jay Stillberg in the studio. Jay, what's going on, man? Hey, how you doing? Doing good. Doing good. What's your favorite taco place? Gosh, that's a good question. There's so many good... This place... I can tell you in general, I don't have a necessarily a specific place, but I prefer tacos from like a taco truck yes. than I do from yes. a restaurant. 
I definitely am the same. And the place we went to, Rosie, is definitely a taco truck style. Actually, it reminds me of the front reminds me of a scrapyard. And because like the sign, like all the signage is beat up and like it looks like you're going to a scrapyard, but then all of a sudden there's a restaurant. Yeah. And it looks brand new. Like they just painted it yesterday. And I was like, <laughs> this is such a weird location. Um, but yeah, that's Connor for you. Yep. So well, when I lived uh, when I lived down in the Heights many years ago, there used to be this taco truck on Washington Avenue that I used to go get yeah. barbacoa tacos from, and they were delicious. They at cer- certain trucks there was a we would get in trouble in high school because there was a taco truck in the Walmart parking lot across the street, and that was our go to place to sneak out and get food and bring back to school. And uh, yeah, we got in big trouble one time because we decided to all get into a truck, like all ten of us. And, like, it's not safe for you guys to leave all in a bed of a truck. And uh, we all got in trouble for that. Yeah. But, look, you're still alive, though. Yeah, it's because of the tacos. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, that was a great. I think it's still there. I think it's somewhere on 1960 somewhere. It's probably the best taco place I've ever been to. Because they make these burritos that are, like, as big as a forearm, like a muscle man's forearm. It's huge. And they're, like, eight bucks. You eat them for, like, three meals. It's perfect. But yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed our first non-breakfast taco review. Yeah, I think I want to do the tripe next for you. See if you eat tripe. Yeah, I've had, dude. I've eaten haggis. I can eat anything. Yeah, they did have this. They had this thing there, and this is one thing the the barrier we realized doing these taco reviews is I don't know any Spanish. I maybe know how to count, but probably not correctly. And when the the young man was, I go, hey, what's your special? Like, because we try to ask, like, what do you, what do you guys do here? That's really great. He probably said like five things, and I was like, I have no idea what that food item is. And I looked at Sean, and I was like, I go, I hope it's not the one with the hard boiled egg, because I am not eating that right now. I do not feel like a hard boiled egg. Like I eat hard boiled eggs, I was like, I do not feel that right now. And uh, luckily, it wasn't. So because they had this like taco, like it looked like a taco with rice with a hard boiled egg hard, just in the middle. Plunked right in the middle. It was like the weirdest scotch egg I've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, I was seen. like, what is that? Mexican scotch egg. And uh, luckily it wasn't that, so I was... Well, you know, if you go to South America, you know, everywhere in South America, they put a fried egg on everything. Right. Well, I'm okay with that. Everything. Well, it's more of the texture. Like, hard-boiled egg texture I dig, but, like, not right. You know, I haven't had anything to drink, and I was, like, thirsty. It'd be very dry. I was like, I I can't do that right now. I can't do it right (laughs) now, guys. But, folks, if you want to, like, enjoy two of the whitest white boys you know uh, reviewing tacos, check them out. Well, I like I like doing it because I like seeing the different prices of places. Because to me, that's the key factor when I get tacos. Because I don't want to eat one; I'll get like five, and I won't eat all of them. I'll just eat. You know, that would be like you know a special treat later in the day. And uh, yeah, because these were different. They were like three to a plate, the, the street tacos, and then we also ordered some uh, taquitos or, or flautas to kind of balance it out. I like to try something different. Yeah, but. Yeah, moving on. Moving on. Well, we got Jay who's running for Senate District, Texas Senate District Four, here in the Montgomery County area. So if you're going to be voting, you will be seen. Or early voting hasn't started. Nope. Thirteenth. So yeah, if you're going to be voting, you'll see Jay on the ballot uh, for Texas Senate District Four. If you missed registering to vote, you're out of luck this time around. Yeah, that's cool. So that's for the that's for the state of Texas, not for the United States. Correct. Uh, I I think a lot of people get get confused with with the different people things you have to vote on because sure. you guys like it confuses me already that y'all, the Texas Senate only meets once every 2 years that to me is really strange and and I get why they I mean it's been Texas has been around for a long time it's been like that for a while but it's just kind of like 
the way we do business here in Texas, to me, that's very Spanish. <laughs> you know, it's like we're going to take our siesta yeah. for a year and a half, and then we'll be back. Like, I don't, I doesn't, doesn't give me the mentality of a Texan. To me, a Texan is more like, I'm just going to live here, and I'm just going to keep doing stuff. Well, what are the uh, jurisdictions and powers of state Senate? Yeah, so obviously the state legislature, and I know you guys talked about this last week, I think, when you were doing the Lobster Fest. Yeah, um, we had a, I guess the guy, I didn't know that was who you were running against. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even <laughs> connect. I didn't. No, Dick, Dick's he, paying attention. I guess. Well, no. He when Dick says a lot of people have questions about this, Dick means Dick. Well, no, yeah, and like, well, he he said what district it was. I was like, I know that district, <laughs> dude. That uh, sounds so familiar. Yeah, I was like, right. what is, why is this ringing like, a bell this in my is the head? Guy that Jay's running against, and uh, I, yeah, I mean, this is what it is. I mean, he seems like the typical Republican guy. <laughs> so no, no fault to that, I guess. Well, I mean, I you know I. I we can talk about Brandon. I, I know Brandon. I met him. I met him several times during the county judge race. I mean, you know, I don't. I, I don't. I don't get in politics to go attack people. I get in politics for you know representation and, you and be giving the, people a choice. You got to be the starving wolf. So, Jay, be the starving wolf. Be <laughs> the bulldog. You're looking for your prey. <laughs> um, but so, so <laughs> the state of Texas Senate District Four. How many is there's like. Is there 31? How many seats are there? So there's 31 31 Senate districts. There's 31 senators in the state of Texas. There's 150 representatives in the state house. And those district lines are all, you know, formatted after the census years. What's more important? What do you mean? Between those two. You know, I think they they both serve uh, a different purpose, much like the U.S. uh, House and Senate. House and Senate. They kind of serve a different purpose, right? Because... The representatives are smaller districts, obviously. They okay. usually represent about, um, you know, 725,000, 750,000 constituents per district. That's usually how they try to break it up, roughly. Um, and obviously, those dif- districts are very specific, and, and different districts, as opposed to a statewide cross section, um, you know, like California, right? Everyone thinks of California, it's this blue, blue, blue state, but there are districts in California that are red, red, red. So, you know, district specific. It's like four towns in California, I think, are blue. <laughs> but like each town has like millions of people. Well, it's, you know, if you look at Texas, I mean, Texas is, no, yeah. you know, our urban areas are predominantly in this country Democratic, where rural areas are predominantly Republican. Um, but anyway, they still they serve different purposes because the constituency is smaller. Yeah. And, depending on the state, by the way. Um, and, and they really should they should be focused on representing that specific district and, and doing things in Congress that benefit that district much, you know, along with the U.S. in general. But they're more district focused. Like, how can they get, you know, well, funds into their district that help business? Yeah, the way I always looked it at it was you're getting hired to be our liaison to the government. That's the way yeah. I always saw it. And you represent us in a government fashion. So if the government's having a party, we're going to send Jay. And if the government's having a meeting, we're going to send Jay. And like that's who and then you come back to us and be like, "Hey, this is what we're working on, you know." But I don't feel like anyone really does that. That's how it should probably work. <laughs> yeah. And I don't really yeah, I don't, I don't really feel like it it, it goes like yeah, that. Yeah, a reporting uh, back motif would be really awesome. Yeah. Well, I think they. I, I imagine a, some rep doing it in one way or because I know what's his name, uh, the eye patch guy. He, Dan Crenshaw. Yeah, he has a podcast, but I've never listened to it. 
and I don't know if it's more of like government related. It might be opinion related. But uh, when I saw that, I was like, that's a good idea. If I was a, a rep dude or whatever, I'd be like, let's do a weekly thing, like an update. Like, this is what I did today. This is how many, you know, stakes I had with famous people and like <laughs> that kind of stuff. Dear and, diary. Yeah. You know? So, so <clears throat> anyway, to round out the conversation, I think the, the, the houses, whether it's the state level or the federal level, they, they have a, in my opinion, they have a lot more cross-section. There's a more diversity because the districts can be so different from each other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and we hear talk about, you know, especially when we look at some of the prominent names at the federal level, right? We hear somebody like AOC uh, versus somebody like... Who is she? Like, what is she? Is she a House representative? Yes. The, and, yeah, and she's that, a congresswoman. She's a congresswoman. Congressperson. U.S. congresswoman. From New York. Not a senator. No. No. Okay. She's she's in the House of Representatives. Okay. Um, and, and you'll see people on the opposite side of the aisle as well, you know, even uh, people that aren't there in a forum, like Mark Meadows and those types of folks, who Jim Jordan, uh, who I've are heard, on the other I've, extreme I've these names. of the political spectrum. Well, so, but, but their districts elect them because their districts are, you know, districts are very... Um, well, they're very uh, it centric. Seems, they're it centric. seems like they it'd can be, be harder to run for what you're running for than what it would be for well, the I would other feel that one person has to be able to appeal to a much broader well, yeah, cross-section. There's only 31 of y'all. So now if you look at the, the Senate, whether it's the state Senate or the, the, the yeah. federal Senate, the U.S. Senate, um, they have less members. Um, you know, the, the 150 and 31 in Texas is yeah. the difference, where in, in the federal it's 435 and 100, right? So yeah, totally. Every state I would has totally two. go for the higher number one. Um, so, so they, they typically represent a much broader area. So they have a much more diverse district that could encompass red and blue and whatever people. And exactly. And at the federal level, they obviously represent a state, right? So there, there are no district lines. It's just whatever the state lines are. Um, you know, some people, so, so their purview should, should, has to be a little bit more broad in my opinion, because their constituency is more broad. Mm-hmm. And their constituency may be made up of a lot more diversity than a specific district. So, you know, to me, a senator, whether it's state or federal, has to have the ability to uh, look at the holistic picture of things. Yeah, for sure. A- a- instead of being micro-focused on something. Because your district you're running for, I believe it, it basically is Montgomery County, and then it goes over, like, towards the Beaumont, and then it kind of trails to Gal. Is it Galveston County in it? Yep. And then... uh. It's like kind of like that sliver, or does it go up anymore? So basically, what the district is, if you look at 105, uh, yeah, and and kind of carve Conroe out. So Conroe and 105 South through the rest of Montgomery County. Okay, no woodlands. It inc- yeah, okay. all of Montgomery County. Okay, and then yeah, it also yeah. includes the Creekside area of the woodlands that's in northern Harris County. Oh and, yeah, those people. And then. If you go to the eastern side of Harris County, it goes through the Kingwood area and then goes down the uh, eastern border yeah, so of Harris like, County to get into Chambers County. I could probably pull a picture and show people. And then it's all of Chambers County, all of Jefferson County, which goes out to Beaumont, down to Port Arthur, and yeah. Bolivar Peninsula in Galveston County. Did you know Beaumont has the largest fire hydrant? Yes. Isn't that strange? Like in I don't size. think it's... Well, I, I call How BS because it's not working. It? Oh, it's big. It's big. It's big. Like, I I would say... Well, to me, anything over three feet tall would be big. So uh, 50? Say, big as a house. 12? Big as a two-story house. Why? I think it was a promotion thing for... Like, if I remember correctly, it was either Disney was doing 101 Dalmatians Oh, so or it's something. a fake hydrant. Yeah. Then it's not a hydrant. That's what I said. 
But it has it world's biggest hydrant on it, and that's you know. But yeah, apparently Disney for some can you hook up a fire hose to it and it shoots water. For through? some reason, chose it's Beaumont for like a bunch of their stuff. I don't know why they did a bunch of like I guess they do like coastal releases. Yeah, because I remember Holly was telling me about Mulan, and China Texas was like they did some party in China Texas. For, for, for the new Milan? No, for the, like, this is back in the 90s. <laughs> I don't think Milan. anyone's partying with the new Milan right nah. now. Uh, Simon, ta- uh, see you later, man. Uh, well, it's, it's we have too, an expatriate who's having to sign out. It's, we have a it, question. an expatriate? Like, he gave up? Uh, no, he's <laughs> no. British, but he's working. He's permanent resident in America. He's, he's so he gave up. Expat. <laughs> yeah, he gave up. Well, he married, married an awesome woman. But, Simon, if you're still listening, enjoy work. Uh, we do have a question here. It's, it's kind of... Uh, when I say vague, I'm not being mean about it. It says, what's the percentage of Democratic Republicans in the Texas government? It's kind of vague because you can have, like, a whole bunch of little dinky ones. What are dinky ones? Government. What are dinky ones? Uh, uh, circuit, you know, courts. Oh, okay. J- JPs, justices of the peace. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Dog catcher. You know what I'm saying? You have small all the way up to governor, senator, but... Yeah, is there so, like a kind of a broad? Well, if you look at, I mean, obviously you have to break it down, right? Like, I, I don't know what the percentage is of every elected official for, for well, Republican should. versus you Democrat. Should, You're getting in the game. No. Uh, but if I look at, if I take the state government, for example, and I just look at the state government, then if I look at the state, state executive branch of the government, they're all Republicans. There are no Democrats in the state executive branch of the government. So the governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general. Uh, are they, they're voted in. They are voted. In. Okay. Yes. The agricultural commissioner, land commissioner, uh, all these folks—they're all Republicans, and they—they they have been in Texas for a long time. I feel like there's going to be a, a big shift in I, the identity of a politician in the next like 30 years, like throughout the next 30 years. How so? I—I I think it's just because the dialogue people have today with politics is is constantly evolving, and people won't really know. It won't be such a, like, you put a brand on yourself, people immediately flock to that. I feel like that's a generation, like my parents' generation. Like, my generation, I don't see them identifying with a letter so much as a person. Because that person now has the ability to be, make themselves such a strong individual for things because of social media and, and stuff like that. It isn't like, oh, you read their name in the paper, and that's how you get it. Like, now we can actually watch you. You can you can see Jay on social media. We can follow him. We can follow them and see what's going on. Because I feel like that's where the younger generations can start paying attention. They're not going to pay attention to like whatever letter you are. It's more of like, what's he doing on social? What's his TikTok? <laughs> you know. And uh, I guess he can't do TikTok anymore. So, like you know, what's his Snapchat or whatever the current thing is. And I think I really do. I do. You, would you? What's your comment on that, Sean? Do you think that I know you're like get off my yard kind of guy, but no, actually, I feel that where we will eventually head will be a three or four party system. <clears throat> I am not a fan of multi party systems because I lived in England and it's just a mess when you have, you know, four hundred members just of get parliament. You a shirt because I hate the UK. Well, no, there's some wonderful things about it. But when, great when you have, you know, I, I don't can't remember how many seats are in the Houses of Parliament, but there are like three dozen parties represented. So it, it, it's much like districts. You know, here we have Republican and Democrat pretty much are breaking down in districts. But what if you have where you get to make up your own party of one for your district? And so oh, I get the, it. But no, nothing can get done. It's all yelling. It's all yelling. It's all harumphing, and very little gets done. That's why I'm kind of curious why uh, in the United States there wasn't a state that decided to do like a monarch state government. It's expressly forbidden the Constitution. For a state government to do it? 
not for the United States. I'm saying for like the state. I guess the state, the federal government went went off. Well, well the Constitution it, also worked out what powers the states had. Well, I'm saying like yeah. for example, Jay's running for Texas State Senate District am- Four. Right. So the state of Texas came up with that system. The federal government goes, "This is what you shall do for your state government." Right. But essentially, the federal document said, "Okay, states, you have these powers for your government. You can have aldermen. You can have, you know." Whatever, but you can't establish a monarchy within the confines of the United States. Okay. Yeah, because a monarchy doesn't work I, with a. We always comment non-monarchy. about how beautiful the idea of the United States is because you have 50 different ways to figure stuff out. So, what's the kookiest <laughs> government, Jay, that like a state would have in the United States? It's like, what's Louisiana. the Louisiana. What do they have? It's still based on the Napoleonic Code. What does that mean? Like, like they wear certain colors the, or something? Napoleon. Like, yeah. you know, Napoleon. The general guy? Yeah, it's like uh, the legal system is, uh, you know, that's why they have parishes, not counties. The legal system oh, even gets down to the reason why legal paper still exists, you know, the 8.5 by 14 instead of 8.5 by 11, is in the Louisiana Judicial Code system. You have to use 8.5 so by 14 like. paper. That's what I like. <laughs> so they, that's what they do. Yeah. So they, they have mayors still, though, I bet. Yeah. And they still, like, but, but what are parish? So would he be running for a parish? A parish is essentially a county. It's essentially a county. So you'd be, okay. But they, st- but they st- that's on the local level, right? Yeah. yeah. We're talking about it's local level. Yeah, I was wondering, because we're talking about how each state can kind of do their own thing. Yeah, that's so, what I'm saying. On a local level, you can have an alderman versus a city council versus an unincorporated board of directors. The alderman sounds so much cooler than, like, city right. council. But state legislatures are... You know, they do vary, but they're typically set up similar to each other with representatives and senators, you know, two two chambers. They don't I don't think they all do it that way. I'd have to look it up. I don't what I don't know. The, how what was the Republic of Texas set up like? Well, that was a succession. So that was where that, that was them saying we are no longer part of the United States government. We're no, no that, longer part of the United States. I thought before they joined. In what context? Well, they were a republic before they joined the United States for like five years, something like that. Oh, yeah. Years? You had like, you know, the Republic of Hawaii. So what was it? Do you know? Do y'all know this? Well, I, the, I mean, you're not history people. The, so. the government is set up in the state of Texas so that it's very similar to what the federal government looks like. Yeah. Once you become a state, this is the the powers and privileges you enjoy. That's some BS, But until man. then. So if, if, if I finish my statement about the the breakdown at the state level. So then if you go to the legislative branch, which is the House and the Senate okay. in the state of Texas. So uh, the House right now has 67 Democrats and I don't know what it is, eight, whatever the difference is, 80 whatever Republicans um, or 77 or whatever the number is, right? So, so the bottom line is this year the focus is on flipping nine seats on the Democratic side in the state House because if, if uh, we flip nine seats, we'll get the majority in the, the, the Texas t- State House. Well, see, that that's, to me, it's so funny. That's the strategy that's been happening in politics for, I for I guess, as long as the United States government has been going on, has it? Like, Because I always see that's the message you see, like, two months before the election. Mm-hmm. It's like, we got to flip these seats. You got to donate money. We got to, like, and I'm thinking, yeah. like, man, that's really crazy to think. Like, to me, that's crazy to think that way because you're trying, like, it's. Well, you, what you do, <clears throat> you have your your term to say, okay, we're going to try it like this and see if it works. Yeah. And if those deem it's not working, that's where near the end, it's like you well, can have a, you know, a ball game or a cricket match, which is boring. You know, you do the whole thing, but no one gets interested until it's the fourth quarter or the eighth or ninth. Well, you know, what it tells me though, is if you don't flip those seats, why are you even here? 
Because that's the way that I, when I perceive that message, like you're going to, if you don't flip these seats, you lose. That means you can't do anything. You're useless. That's the way, that's the message I'm receiving from the different politicians. And that might, I know, I know that's not true, but you know what I'm talking about? Like the yeah. way they you have to like, chicken little it to get the headlines. And that, and that really bothers me because it's like, well, I want to have faith in my person who represents me, even if we don't flip seats. Like, well, that's why I think <clears throat> when I was saying earlier about just going to a three, four or five <clears throat> party system, I'm not a fan of 42 different parties uh, in any given government. It's just nothing can get done. But I feel that there's already a split towards the far left with the AOCs and Bernie Sanders of the world that it's like you're not liberal enough. And then, of course, you can have a comparable split of the far right, the the total, you know, integration of church and state. You Who know. are those people? Tell me about those people. Because I, I get the Bernie Sanders kind of stuff, but, like, I've listened to a lot of Bernie Sanders. I, I wouldn't say it was, like, far far left but maybe he is maybe i don't understand what left is and right is he's maybe. a socialist i mean i don't i can see it you really can't get much farther left than that is that i don't know i, don't I think do so. <laughs> i live again i hate to say it i lived in england under a socialist oh regime i saw nationalized healthcare, nationalized industries government dole they seem to be doing fine <laughs> okay Nationalized saying. health goes bankrupt every other year. I mean, needs a massive bailout because it's unsustainable. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but it's just... Yeah, that's on Purple Politics on Mondays. Yeah, whatever. right. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get into that later. But I feel that there, AOC has a base. Whether I agree with it or not, she has followers and gatherers and, and stuff like that, that she's farther left than some, some more centralized Democrats. Um, I'm... Republican, but I'm not a Ted Cruz level Republican. I'm more centered, so I feel that there will be far left and I right feel like parties. Ted Cruz is just coasting. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. Like the stuff he says is like to me. If you're if you're doing Texas stuff, you gotta be challenging. You gotta be you gotta be going. That's the idea of Texas, and he doesn't seem like he's going to where. I don't know. Make Texas better. He just kind of like it's already the eighth largest economy in the world. No, there's some bad things about it, and I'm sure we all. I mean, I'm sure we want to be number seven largest economy. Well, yeah, there's a lot of things that aren't good about Texas. Oh, absolutely. It ranks near the bottom of of literacy and adult literacy, and yeah. So there you go, and that's what Jay's running for. So you know, to kind of get back to this, right? So the flipping the seats, right? So the, the, the reason there's that drive this year to flip those seats in the state house is because this is a census year and it's a redistricting year. And Does that mean everything's the, up in the air kind of thing? The, part, like, you the party that controls the state house has control of redistricting in the state of Texas. Oh, so when the census is complete, then if we if you flipped it prior, the, the district lines will be redrawn. So you get to cheat, and because every time I hear about re- redrawing stuff, it's cheating. Well, it's all based on population density, right? Yeah. Because every district. So right now, like the Senate district I'm running for, when the census is done. There might be over a million people in this district. Well, oh, that's easy. too many people. So they have to change the district lines really? because you mm-hmm. you don't have that many people represented by one person. So they change the district line so it gets back to the number, which is like 800,000. Oh. Right? So they draw the lines based on population density so that each district has X number of people in it approximately that that person represents. So Jay, how can... So educate me on this because I think Dick was getting there 
that to me is something almost like county treasurer. Why would this be a partisan issue if they need to be redrawn based on population? You have the algorithm. Why would it matter if a Democrat or a Republican redrew those lines where it's not cheating, for lack of a better word? Yeah, so that's a great question, right? And and I'm not going to say uh, uh, gerrymandering doesn't happen on both sides because it absolutely does. Well, I feel like it's inevitable. And, and the bottom line is is that, to me, there should be an independent third-party commission that's put together that uses mathematics and and, and those types of uh, data-driven yeah. things to, to draw district lines that have a uh, fair representation of people within them so that those districts are competitive, right? Because there's certainly districts that exist now that have been gerrymandered to a point that they're not competitive because there's no way uh, a cert, you know one party or the other can possibly win the way they carved them out. And that's why you see these districts that wrap around and then go to, Ooh, we'll just mm-hmm. take this three houses on this street and then we'll go snake ourselves over here. Uh, as opposed to having something that actually has um, uh, a shape that kind of you look at it and go, well, that's not all screwed up. Uh, and there's a you know a fair cross section of people in that district that vote certain ways so that you can have a competitive race in, in those particular areas. So to me, that's how it should be handled. I know that's not how it's handled, but at the end of the day, it should. And the last time the district lines were redrawn in Texas, they spent months and months and months and months in court because of the gerrymandering that went on. So... Um, Is there a entity out there? You said like a third party entity, because like when I found after my house flooded the first time and I got the county maps to find out where the lines were literally halfway up my yard because I'm on an incline of a, of a street. That's where it went from 100 year to five or 500 year to 100 year floodplain. And because city engineers or county engineers had worked it out, all these algorithms to say literally at this point in my yard, that's where it changes. Mm-hmm. So obviously there are algorithms. Is is there an entity that could could do this? I'm sure there is. I mean, I would I could I couldn't name one off the top of my head. But well, if you I, didn't I, know, Jay started one like I mean, ten years ago, <laughs> conveniently. And uh, I mean, this is it's all about mathematics, right? I mean, so, and algorithms. So you know, could it be done? Absolutely, we know it can be done. It's just will somebody actually ever put it in a third well, party's hands I, to try to draw fair no, district I, lines? I think there's just too many people involved, and, there, and it's always changing. I think that's kind of the sad thing about the way you're running a big business and things. It's like well, the way I look at it is like a, running a big business because I do know some businesses have more of a fail rate if you keep changing leadership because leaders have different ideas and it's like well we've been going this way for two years we're making good progress now we gotta go this way like kind of like what we did with the 2016 election like we totally just like 180 on some things and it's and you know whatever and uh and i think that's it's not a way to get it done i mean i'm trying to get i'm trying to go far far left let's do let's do the monarch <laughs> stuff let's get the let's well, get what's the king funny, back so in my neighborhood- queen we, we, can, we can have a queen i'm okay with that okay Actually, you know, I don't hate against anything like that. Gotcha. It could be anything. Well, like the, a dog could be her. No. I, I mean, you're right, Dick, because the, the way politics works today is not the way politics should work, period. I mean, the, you, you can't get anything accomplished the way politics works today because uh, we've gotten to such a toxic political environment today that politicians on, on opposite sides of the aisle and sometimes the same time, side of the aisle uh, will not sit down at a table and, <clears throat> and talk out differences and try to come up with a compromise that has uh, the best solution for the majority of the people that they represent. Uh, it's more of this, I want this. If I don't get it, that's it. I'm not going to talk to you. Or I'm taking my voice. Yeah, we're I... not going to talk across the aisle because, you know, you're the evil Democrat or you're the evil Republican. 
Um, and we're not going to get anything solved that way. And, and unfortunately, that's where our politics is today, because we don't have leadership in our politics that actually sets the example. Well, and I think Texas has a great opportunity as a state to be the example of we have a healthy environment in the state of Texas where we do work together and make it a better place because Texas does have room to improve. Yeah. And I think if you got the right leadership and we improve, we can see, see we can work together, we can accomplish things. And Well, and this is why I tell people that when we have balance in our government, so, so if I finish this comment about the percentages of Republicans versus Democrats at the state level, so if we look now at the state Senate, there's 19 Republicans and 12 Democrats. So again, majority Republican, and it's been that way for a long time. And so that's the legislative. And if we look at the upper levels of the judicial branch at the state level, which is the state Supreme Court and uh, the Criminal Court of Appeals, there's nine justices on those courts, and all nine of them on both courts are Republicans. So there is not one Democrat that sits on either of those courts. And so I tell people all the time that when we don't have balance in our government, then that sets us up for failure. You know, and I say that about Montgomery County. We have no balance in our government in Montgomery County, and that sets us up for failure. Because when you have balance in your government, then you have checks and balances within your government, and you have representation on both sides within your government, and you have conversations from both sides' perspectives in your, in your government, which makes it healthier, and that makes our democracy healthier, which is how it's supposed to work. You know, I don't like one party to fully control anything, whether it's Republican or Democrat. Well, I think that's what's sad about the given situation of politics today is now we have two, I, I, you can correct me, like two ideologies. So when you say bring a balance, I don't like the idea of bringing a balance when it's forced into those concepts of two ideologies, where it's like either Democrat or Republican. That's how you bring balance. So you have to have both of them. And I'm like, because in my mind, I can see some people going to the extreme going, we're going to require that half are Republican, half are Democrat. I'm like, well, what happens if you're neither? You know, and like, so how do you kind of like... Well, you got to understand that just because somebody um, puts a letter after their name, whatever they choose to put after their name, that doesn't mean that they agree with every single thing that that platform represents. Oh, yeah. No, I agree with that. But it's right? more of when and you're if, approaching it, it like the way if, you're saying bringing balance is like you're... To me, it sounds like you're saying, hey, the only way to bring balance is these two parties have to be have equal representation. I'm not saying they have to have equal representation, but they have to have representation from both. Yeah. And we don't. That's my point. Yeah. And it doesn't work. In the long term, it doesn't work. And especially if it, if it eliminates competition in politics, which is exactly why I run. I mean, these politicians in this county haven't had comp- competition in 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah, I always feel and like you know how it's complacent, a boys club. You know how complacent people get and then how greedy they get? Because you know ev- money is the biggest evil on this planet. They don't seem to be making that much money, though. I always figured if you're running for, like, Senate, you'd be banking. Why like, would you, well, it's part, not the salary; it's the, the I mean, benefits. <laughs> like you get invited to the state dinners, because in the state of Texas, it's definitely not a salary that's inviting you to run for the state legislature. Well, I meant more of like I feel like the the corruption would be so obvious. Like, you well, know. it's not corruption. So it's for instance, uh, what's the presidential salary? Four hundred thousand a year, mm-hmm, something like that. Okay, that's so a lot of money. Uh, four hundred for eight years. That's three hundred twenty thousand that President Obama made. Three point two million. Is it 3.2 million? I'm sorry, I, I dropped a zero. 3.2 million um, as president and didn't, you know, have CEO jobs beforehand. He didn't go in rich. Bought a 12 point something million dollar property in Martha's Vineyard. There's no corruption on that. They came from post presidency, speaking fees, book. 
deals. Ari, Ari made a deal. Owning Netflix, you know, that kind of thing. He made a deal. He probably like, hey, I used to be the president. Where's my president discount? And they'd be like, oh, dollar. Get, I'll give it to you for a dollar. Okay. So, yeah, I don't. I think very few people go into any kind of politics for the salary. Well, I meant more of, like, as you say, Montgomery County, you know, we, we have the same names that get regurgitated all the time. Like, mm-hmm. especially here in, locally in Conroe for the city council, like, it is so odd to me that if you take, like, Conroe 50-year span, I think it's like either 30 to 40% of each city council person, which is a lot because there's only six people that can be in city council, are always reoccurring. Mm-hmm. It's like every, like there's someone always coming back after their break because they have to take, they're like forced to take a break. <clears throat> or there's the names that will go for one position, then go for another one. Then Well, yeah. yeah. And well, yeah, I think you're forced to take a break after 12 years or something like that because they voted on against capping it. Because you know that, right, about I think it was like six months ago they were going, hey, you can only run for 10 years plus mayor. And after that, you're done. You can never run for city council ever again. And they voted against that because apparently they want to keep running. I don't right. I don't know. But like that to me, like you're right in that concept of Montgomery County having the same people doing stuff. And especially like a Kevin Brady, which, you know, he does. He's he got elected fair and square. and He's been in it. But it's like. In my mind, there's not enough competition, like you're saying, where I, I'm wondering where the Illuminati is going to pick the next person to run, like when Kevin Bray stops running. It's like, who's next? Oh, I guarantee they have the secession plan already. Oh, yeah. And there's like, always you know, they, you know they've had the roundtable discussion, uh, and then like it's like, all right, this is who we're going to pick. And it's probably going to be someone really boring. Well, and the, you know, and the problem, in my opinion, is, and I tell people this all the time, too, is that we need to vote for candidates and not parties. Yeah, Right, because uh, I, I think if you straight, t- I know we can't straight ticket vote anymore, but technically you can because you can just go down the ballot, mm-hmm. and just punch every letter that you a want. A federal punch. judge, it takes thirty seconds to Yeah, I will say I want to let people know I've, we've known each other for a while. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite things is when you were running for county judge here, there was a I would call it a Republican kind of source doing a kind of like these are what these people represent and they give you a score and i forget what publication it was but basically it compared you to i might have been mark keogh but basically you were if not equal but more republican in a quote i put quotes up than he was like in your platform and like and it was really strange to me because it wasn't they weren't saying you were republican it's more of like your ideas were more fiscally conservative yeah than what he was doing and i was like that's funny to me i don't know what you're talking about I don't know what publication it was, but I mean, at the end of the day, when we talk about the, you know, we were talking about the fringe ends of of both parties and the majority of people in this country are in the middle. Yeah. Whether they lean right or left is is their decision, but they're in the middle. And if you asked a majority of those people in the middle to describe themselves of how they are fiscally versus socially, they would probably say I'm fiscally conservative and I'm socially liberal. Mm -hmm. That's probably how they would describe themselves, regardless of whether they're a Republican or a Democrat. Which is exactly where I am, right? So I, I care about how people's tax dollars are spent because it's not – if I get elected, it's not my money. It's, it's the taxpayer's money, and it has to be spent at the, in the right places on the right things that improve quality of life uh, for the constituents that uh, that, that money goes to uh, improve, whether it's roads or whether it's parks or you know health services, mental health services, whatever it is. Um, you know, we have to make sure that those funds are spent in the right way and we see a benefit from, from those funds. Um, and if we are spending funds on something and we don't see benefits from it, then we probably shouldn't spend funds on that thing anymore. Um, 
So, you know, and that's probably why in the county judge race, someone would have rated me that way because I really looked at the budget and how money was spent yeah, and I cared about how we were spending Yeah, yeah it was more dollars. about your substance instead of just like your, what do you call it, the call card. It was like they went down like your stuff, mm-hmm. the, like stuff you've well, technically said about issues that pertain to the position you're running for. That's right. And the truth of the matter is, you know, the county commissioners and the county judge, they should be nonpartisan races just like city council and the mayor is in Conroe because... Local politics, like the commissioner's court, is not a legislative body. They're not a lawmaking body. They have yeah. no lawmaking ability whatsoever. Uh, you know, obviously during a, uh, a health emergency, a, a declaration of emergency, they have some things that they can do that they normally wouldn't have the ability to do. But at the end of the day, uh, they're they're nonpartisan. They're they're administrators. They're they're in charge of uh, roads and bridges and. Uh, you know, taking care of the unincorporated areas of, of the county. And so these are these are not partisan things. These are things that, okay, we have to take care of business and make sure that people can drive on safe roads and and, and these types of things. And and so these are not partisan things. And, and I don't know why. I, I hate that the fact that in the state of Texas they're partisan races, much like judges. I think it's ridiculous that we have partisan races for judges. At the very least, they should be nonpartisan races as well because – you know, uh, our judicial system and our legal system is is not bound by whether you're an R or D. It's bound by what the law is and what the Constitution says. And well, so, it comes down to the ideology of it, and like it's probably fundraising. And have, there's probably some nefarious reason why they chose to do that. And, Did you say nefarious? Yeah, is that the right word? <laughs> that's an right. awesome usage of the word. And it because it, it, to me, and like I said, I, like the perspective of. Going forward with politics, I really do believe the newer generations is not going to be so attached to what color you are. I I don't it, disagree. It's going to be more about the issues than since what they believe in. Because I think that's why the younger generation is attaching so much to uh, Green New Deal stuff. But then, you know, all that kind of – because it's like, oh, that makes sense. Let's attach ourselves to that. Whoever says that's going to be sure. great. We'll, we'll but then the, those who would actually be paying for it are the ones going, we'll slow down oh, a yeah. second. And which is why I say that I think we will find within the next 30 years a viable three or four or even five party system. Um, you know, Democrat, Democrat light or <laughs> Republican, ultra Republican. And because uh, of the centrists in the middle, too, you know, I frequently. Well, isn't like the Tea Party an ultimate Republican? I was supposed Well, here's the thing. You know, there's the Coffee Party, too. You know, there's the, the Ralph Nader's. He was the Green Party, wasn't he? You, you know, Libertarian. Who, yeah, who started a Libertarian Party? Uh, that goes back a while, but I don't have the history on, on that well, one. Well, let me ask you something, Jay. You were talking about the local elections, and, you, mm-hmm. and you're rightfully uh, not upset, but like you're disagreeing with the whole idea of putting it as a different party system could you just run as a neutral independent like yeah just say like oh i want to run sure i'm not gonna say you're not gonna win (laughs) well i mean i'm just asking well you can i mean you can run as an independent the 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 that's the word independent yeah yeah and whether it's green or libertarian or whatever it is sanders was a senator it was an independent senator he he still is i mean yeah sorry still still bernie sanders is not a democrat He's, he's he an independent. Just, he's for president, he ran on the Democratic ticket. But he ticket. runs on the Democratic ticket for president when he runs for president. Sell out. <laughs> and, and yes, so you, yes, you can. I mean, in this race, there's an independent. There's a libertarian in the Senate District 4 race. Yeah, you can get it, but you don't have the backing <laughs> of the party. There's no independent party. Well, yeah, no, I get that. No, it's more of just like... Like to me, when you tell me Bernie Sanders run, ran as an independent, clearly he either is so in touch with where he gets voted... And he knows how to work the system, or he saved like a child in a well, and he became 
famous, so that's why he got voted well, in. Well, different states different states view independence much differently than yeah. other states do. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, and, and in so, Texas, it's well, the like, question is, could Trump have since Trump self financed his his presidential run, he could have run I mean, as an independent. I don't think he would have won without the backing of the GOP, but technically he was independent. No, what he should, what, he, what if I fire him, I would have done the whole GOP thing, and then after like the debates, after you know he makes fun of everybody, he drops. He's like, I'm running as an independent. Oh, I was convinced early days he was a Democrat running with a red tie, well, wearing a red he tie. He was a Democrat his whole life. Yeah, and then I'll, that's what I'm saying. When he popped up on the GOP ticket, <laughs> many people like me were like. Dude, well, he's a Democrat running well, as a Republican. What do you think that kind of gives you an idea of people? Because I know you can switch parties for the benefit of being taking advantage of the current situation. So, like for example, if you're running, like if I was running in a deep blue area, I'd be like, you know what, I could just pit, shoot, like switch, kind of like just exactly what Donald Trump did, uh, because he probably f- felt there was a strategy there. And then, uh, do you think people will naturally do that? Well, I can more, tell you, more, more, like kind of going forward. I don't know about that, but I, I can tell you in the county judge race, I was asked several times why I did not run as a Republican. I believe it. Because they told me if I had to run as a Republican, I'd probably beat the county judge right now. Yeah. Um, Come to the dark but, side, Jay. But for me, it's not about, you know, I, I don't choose what party I affiliate myself with to try to guarantee myself, if I can say that, a position in an office. I mean, I have morals and ethics and values of why I choose to yeah. be on the Democratic well, ticket. And, and I would not on, prefer me personally uh, because of certain things in the Republican Party platform, even though right now they don't have one, which is No, no, r- one, no one knows what platforms are anymore. It's a tabula rasa. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, uh, there's so many things that I disagree with on a personal level that there's no way I could put an R after my name and, and go out in public because I just don't agree with those things. Well, and I'm well, the exact wait, opposite. And I, there's too many same of them. Way. So we got to take a break. Okay. Okay. I want to let listeners know we're listening to Dick and Skippy in the mornings. We have Jay Stilberg in the studio. We have some questions for you. Uh, yeah, on I want to talk Facebook campaign feed. stuff afterwards. Uh, so we got some questions. If you have questions for Jay, feel free to write them on Facebook.com slash Dick and Skippy on our live feed. And then also you can call text anytime 936-228-9368. We'll be right back. We're going to take our top of the hour break here on Lone Star Community Radio. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be right back in like, I don't know, three minutes, four minutes, whatever. Business office cleaning is available in the Montgomery County area from Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. With scheduled cleaning surfaces such as floor care, window care, trash collection, restroom disinfection, and stair and elevator cleaning, Clean Sweep can service a business one time or on a regular schedule with daily, weekly, and monthly options. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning can be found online at cleansweepofficecleaning.com or by calling 832-689-7996. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Take back your time and let us make your office shine. Mornings with Lone Star is sponsored by Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Don't miss Lone Star Community Radio on TV and YouTube. Our talk show and music shows are featured on Our City TV, Suddenlink Channel 12, and have their own YouTube channel. Make sure to subscribe to keep up with posted shows and comment on them below the video. Are you interested in learning more about preparing quick, healthy, and safe meals for your family? Would you like to spend time with others learning tips and tricks, along with practicing and tasting nutritious food? If so, the On the Road to Healthy Living Mobile Cooking School is for you. Call Amy Ressler at Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service at 936-539-7825 to find a class near you or volunteer to host a class. 
For those of you who like your partners, your gumbo, and your music salty, well, we're here to help with the music. Julian Shea here, host of Lone Star Country Nights Thursday, your weekly dose of roots and Americana and all the music that makes this part of the country special. We stir in western swing, honky-tonk, zydeco, Texas blues, outlaw country, and put a pinch of red dirt, and then we smoke it over a slow fire. Then listen to the results Thursday nights on Conroe's 104.5 and 106.1 and worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. What is homelessness? Have you seen parents struggle to find a job without having transportation or childcare? What about the children sleeping in cars with nothing to eat? Families shouldn't have to struggle to survive, and children should not be homeless. Family Promise of Montgomery County serves the needs of homeless families and their children. Learn about ways you can help and learn about partnership opportunities at www.familypromiseofmc.org or call our day center at 936 441 8778. Hey guys, this is Connor. This is Dick. This is Chris. And we're with the Ticket Stub Podcast every Thursday live at noon on 104.5 and 106.1 FM in the Conroe area. Also, anytime at IRLoneStar.com. You go to IRLoneStar.com backslash TTS. You can find all of our social media. And don't forget, we give away two tickets to the Grand Theater on every show. If you like movies and you like complaining or celebrating anything that has to do with the silver screen, Check out the Ticket Stub podcast and join us every Thursday at noon o'clock on Lone Star Community Radio. A Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's radio station with talk, music, weather, and traffic for Montgomery County. Have a question or comment about one of our shows? Want to know how to reach a host? Just contact the station at IRLoneStar.com or call in and leave a message at 936 647 3776. Get involved with your community with Lone Star Community Radio. Want to check out the fastest growing sport in the world? It's right here in Conroe, Texas, and it's Roller Derby. Conroe Roller Derby is a nonprofit recreational league of women and men who want you to come and check out the fast paced, hard hitting game of roller derby. The Conroe Cutthroats practice at Rainbow Roller Rink on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. You can find our game schedule and more information on our website, www.conroerollerderby.com. Hey, y'all. It's DJ Mike from Dan Simon, Texas. Join me Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. as I count down the top 10 Texas Red Dirt songs that are packing the dance floor. I'll be featuring local artists and the story behind the hits, shows in the area, as well as new songs that make you want to dance. It's Dance Diamond Texas with DJ Mike on Lone Star Community Radio, 104.5 KCZW and 106.1 KZCC, Conroe, Texas, or online, IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show with monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5 and 106.1 and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936-647-3776. Did you know there are more than 790 abused and neglected children currently in foster care in Montgomery County? Will you help make a difference? I'm Allie Stevens with Costa Child Advocates of Montgomery County. We train and support volunteers to be the voice of children in the foster care system. Kids are moved from their home because of abuse and neglect, and we need volunteers just like you to advocate for these children. To learn more about becoming an advocate, 
please visit casaspeaksforkids.com. That's casaspeaksforkids.com. Hey, what is up, Conroe? This is Rick TRC. You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 on KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. All right, we're back. This is Lone Star Community Radio, Conrad's FM 104.5, 106.1, Community Radio Station, Montgomery County. We're also on Facebook.com, Broadcasting Live, Ticket Skippy, all that kind of good stuff. Our guest today is Jay Siddleberg, who's running for Texas Senate District 4. Early voting starts the 13th, so get out there and vote. If you're voting, you're going to see Jay's name. Look him up. I believe I put all the uh, like social media stuff for Jay if you want to see him. See what he's all about. If you have questions for Jay, visit our Facebook page right now, facebook.com slash Dick and Skippy. Also, uh, you can call this number, 936-228-9368. That's a call-in message line, 24-7. I can always call it. So we are back with Jay. All right, Jay, so we had a guy write in, uh, what are the top issues that the public has expressed to you as concerns? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So it's really the the issues I talk about predominantly in this campaign are the issues that most people have as the top priorities on their list. And so I talk about public education, right? If I just go down my list, and this is why, I will, you know, I really encourage people to uh, vote for candidates and not parties, and actually mm-hmm. listen to details and facts about where we are. You know, we do live in a great state. Texas is a great state. I, I, I've grown to love Texas since I've, I've lived here, and I've lived here for 13 years. And uh, But, you know, at the end of the day, when I look at things that are important to people and certainly important to me, I see that Texas is in the bottom in public education. We're at the top in property tax burden nationally. We're number one in the country in the number of rural health care clinics and what hospitals is, that have closed. What is tax burden? What do you mean? What property taxes are too high. Yeah, I just got my new property <laughs> appraisal. Holy cow. I wish my house was worth Not, that much. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Texas is number one in the number of uninsured Texans that we have in our state and nationally. And we're at the bottom of the list in, in uh, funding for mental health issues, access, and care. Um, and, and, and I also throw in there typically flooding. Uh, we did some things in 2019 in the legislature, and it's not that it's a bad thing. It's a good start, but I have some issues with the order they're doing things in. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, people care about flooding. People don't want their homes to flood every time we have a heavy rainstorm. We, I don't want to flood we, anymore. And we need to get to, you know, we need to start putting some policy and, and, and procedure in place to, to try to limit flooding in our in our communities. And I think we can do that, but we have to work together to do that. So. So those are the things I hear the, the most, you know, health care, uh, the amount of money people pay in property taxes and, and how high they are, um, and, and making sure that uh, their, the, the schools uh, provide a quality education for their children. Yeah, the, the, so, the property tax doesn't really make a lot of sense to me because I don't not pay. Pro- I mean, I don't know if I'm paying. I don't own anything. Uh, no, your landlord does. Do you it's rent? reflected in your rent. Do you rent? Yes. Well, I guarantee if the property taxes go up, your rent's going to go oh, up. Oh, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's manageable. Uh, but I guess really what when it comes to those kind of decisions of property taxes, is that a statewide issue thing, or is that a countywide, or is it it's citywide? Both. It's all of those. So Everyone puts their fingers it, in it. Because everyone gets a little bit of everything, huh? Mm-hmm. And Look, in the state of Texas, you don't fix property tax burden without fixing 
the percentage of funding from the state level to our public education system. So where's the, when I pay my property tax, I write a check or wherever it goes, it goes mm -hmm. to the state. Your check goes to the or it county. gets folded into your mortgage. It goes to the county. It goes or, to the county, or it goes to your school district. It goes to the different taxing authorities. Okay. So if you look at the breakdown of the taxing authorities that uh, your property taxes go to, the highest one is typically always going to be the school district. Mm -hmm. My bill, it's 55 to 60 percent of my property tax bill goes to the school districts. So local, like, so if I lived in Conroe, so, like I, live in, Conroe ISD. I live in New Caney ISD, so the majority of my tax money goes to New Caney ISD. The next biggest portion of my tax bill is the mud district I live in. That's about 30% okay. of my property taxes. So we're at we're already at 90%. The next so so right now it's probably 55 and 28 okay. is is what I pay and about 10 to 12% roughly is county. And then you got like decimal point percentages that go to the Lone Star Community College and the medical uh, district and those types of things. Those are very small percentages. Um, but the big three for me is the school district, the mud, and then it goes really downhill from there. Those are the two biggest. Yeah. So, so <clears throat> what hap what's been happening over the last decade in this state is at this at the state level, and we'll take 2019 legislative session out for a second because it was a bit of a fluke with public education. I'm not saying it was a bad thing. They actually infused money into it, but it's the first time they've done that in 10 years. They've been stripping money out of public education from the state level for 10 years. Now, when you say it like that, does that mean it's because it's like, I imagine there's hard decisions to be made while you're governing. Now, when you're taking money away from public education, do you believe they were just taking it away because that was the easiest solution? Or is it more of like they were doing it for... I believe they were taking it away because they have ulterior motives. Like what? Like tell me, like what do you... Like defunding public education and allowing vouchers for so vouchers, private and charter schools. So vouchers is a program. I don't really understand that. Who pays for the vouchers? They want the government, your taxpayer dollars to pay for that. Okay. And how... So they want, they want your taxpayer dollars to go to a voucher that can send your chi children to a private school. So to any school, really, right? Is that the whole idea of the voucher? Like to a I private school. So what, a school like, you pay for, not a free public education. School. So, like, say homeschool. That wouldn't count for home. I mean, I'm talking about no, no, paying tuition that. for yeah. going to a private school. Because I know, like, Sean teaches, and here's, and you're part of like a homeschooling group. So clearly, you're getting paid something. Yeah, I'm a contractor. So, could that voucher go to that money from the voucher go to him? I actually don't know. Yeah, no, I, don't, I don't know how homeschooling fits yeah, into this was, picture. Yeah, that's no, no, it doesn't. That's I, why homeschooling I would think not. It doesn't. It doesn't uh, get the money uh, what? reserved for independent school districts, uh, which is why homeschools are broken up into micropods well, yeah, or yeah. co-ops. You know, it's interesting. It's just because it, the concept profit, of education is really, it's really interesting to me because outside of a kid's perspective, I know like my parents and the thousands and millions of other parents, one of the key decisions of where they live is a school district. And that, I remember growing up, it blew my mind because we moved. We moved to Sugarland before, like, that's part of the reason we moved out of Houston. Mm -hmm. And because we weren't in, like, a school district my mother and father grew up in. I think they went, I think, I don't forgot where they went. I know wherever they went, they had to change the mascot because it was, like, a Indian or something like that. <laughs> um, but uh, we moved because of that. And I was like, I don't care where I go to school. I liked where we lived. You know, we're by my cousins and, like, my grandmother. Mm -hmm. I was like, I like there. They didn't care. They're like, no, we can't. You can't. We gotta get a better school. And I, and I soon learned out because my older brothers and sisters are getting in trouble, and so it was like that was their solution. Yeah. And when it comes down to, I think a lot of parents make that decision. I I, I don't think my parents were alone in going. We gotta get this. They're we gotta not. change this. And that's what's so crazy to me is that kind of decision determines 
you know, the economic of the area. And when I look at Conroe ISD, I can't understand the vast difference between like the Woodlands High School and Conroe High School. And it's huge. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. And I was like, you know, I really wish someone would do a like a logical study of why this is so different. And I don't even know if the grades are better at Woodlands High School. I just know the Woodlands High School looks better. Right. Like when you walk onto campus, it looks better than if you walk on the Conroe. Yeah. And you as running for te- uh, Texas Senate District 4, knowing a little bit more about you're saying they're cutting public education, do you think that's part of the problem? Or is it more of the management of handling well, what money, money they do keep, get? Keep in mind, I'm talking about the percentage that the state puts in in relation to our property tax burden. Okay. Because the state used to put in 50% of public education costs statewide. Okay. That decreased to 36% or lower. Where did the where did the, the school districts still need the money? Mm-hmm. So what do the school districts do? They increase your tax rate at the local level yeah. to make up the difference, which puts the burden on homeowners in Texas. Oh, yeah. And then there's next step two is starting to cut programs. And two, the state has a revenue problem. The state's had a revenue problem for years. We certainly recognized that in 2019 when the Republicans wanted to raise the state sales tax because they also recognized there's a revenue problem in the state of Texas. And they refused to go through some avenues to close loopholes that we have in our current law that would actually make up for some of those revenue holes. But instead, they talked about raising our sales tax, which is the most regressive tax and worst way you can increase revenue in a state because it uh, disproportionately affects lower-income people. It's so it, 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 it's a terrible tax to raise. Right. So we clearly know they understand there's a revenue problem in the state of Texas, but they make you sounds like everything's peachy keen. And, oh, look what we did for public education in 2019. We put all this money in. Well, what are you going to do this next cycle? Because there's no long term plan. And with covid didn't help things mm-hmm. because now we have over a five billion dollar deficit already before we even start because of covid-19. So. You know, they, they don't, they're not forward-looking in how they look at the fiscal responsibility of the state and how to properly fund, in the long term, public education and other things that need to be funded in our state. They just don't do it. They look at today, and this is what we're going to do today, and we'll deal with the next session, the next session, right? Well, there seems to be an on- so dis- no ongoing kick-the-can-down-the-road motif on so many different levels. Uh, Joe, I want to talk about um, campaigning. It can't be easy to campaign in a COVID society. Man, I was going to ask a question about schools. Ask a question about schools. When it comes to, kind of going off what I was saying about my parents, when it comes to choosing schools, Mm -hmm. why can't there be a system where I can choose a school I want my child to go to? I think there can be. But here's the issue I have with using taxpayer money to give to people to go to a private school. Teachers at a private school do not have the same requirements to be a teacher oh, yeah. as public schools do. I mean, I went to a private school. So and until, until the requirements for teachers are the same across the board, we should never use taxpayer dollars I for agree. private schools, period. Well, I was talking about, we more about public that. schools. We change that. I'm okay. And I'm a, I'm a fan of that, You don't too. pay to go to a public school. I mean, you pay taxes, but you don't pay anything extra. It's not like, where's my well, I mean, tuition I mean more payment? Of like, I have why to couldn't, pay. Why can't, if I live in Conroe, why can't I choose my son to go to the Woodlands High School? Because clearly that's a better high school in the area. And that's more, I think, of a local Yeah, because issue. you're out of that zone. Because you're, they zone what, what areas no, go I to what schools. No, I understand why I can't. But I'm saying, like, why isn't there Because something? everyone think, would go to Woodlands High School and no I, one would go to Conroe. And I think there's ways—I mean, I'm sure you have to have a 
legitimate reason. Well, yeah, if you're good at football. But, well, <laughs> uh, right? to, to do things like that. Get but, good, boy. But that's, that's what, I, that's I, I don't think that's so much of a state legislature issue. Right. Well, that's what, it, well, that's what I was going back is like these decisions parents make, it's pivotal. They, I mean, they make a lot of effort. I mean, I bet there's some parents that like want their kid to go to the school. They'll mm-hmm. drive their kid an hour to go to the school. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, I want them to go to the school. This is the best education. When my when I had and, custody of my son, he went into high school. Uh, the school that was near me, I did not want him going to. He got into HSPVA, high school for the performing visual arts. And I drove him down. I lived up in spring, and I drove to downtown Houston every morning to drop him off and pick him up. And I mean, and that's what's so strange to me is there's so much energy spent. Yeah, on this topic, but it feels like nothing's really getting done. Yeah, when it comes down to we could be more productive. Oh, we then, could absolutely be more productive, yeah. right? Oh. I mean, and the and the whole point of it is the whole system in public education needs uh, it needs to be fair across the board, right? I understand people choose to homeschool or they choose to send their kids to a private school, and usually it's because the public schools are terrible. That's usually why they do that. Well, we need a public education system that treats all these schools, public schools, fairly. So that regardless if it's in a very affluent area like the Woodlands High School or if it's in a very poor area in some rural county uh, where they just don't have the revenue there and they don't have a good school and their public education system suffers or they're in a low-income area, it shouldn't matter. There should be a quality education provided no matter where that school is. And our system is not set up. I've got a rebuttal from listener Misty talking about the private school. She's saying these laws have changed uh, you have the same. You have to have the same degree and certification required to teach private no, you don't. school. No, you don't. Okay, even though you don't need a degree to teach your child, that's evolved from the Prussian model. It's old and outdated. So we need to figure out somewhere in the middle. Uh, we got Misty saying this, Jay saying that. We got to figure it out. Well, one thing one? I will comment on though, Jay, like the, the the big struggle that would be that affects Texas in many different aspects is the size and the density of certain areas. Sure. And, like, I had this conversation with my wife uh, a lot when it comes to medical care. Mm-hmm. I was like, you can't tell me when, because we're talking about, you know, making everything equal and everything. It's like, you can't tell me that a town like, uh, I would, like, say Atlanta, Texas, which is, like, 5,000 people, or, like, Trinity, Texas, mm-hmm. which is I think is, like, 3,000, is, like, they're not going to be able to attract the best people for the public services. Sure. And I think that's going to be, that. and that's going to be one of those hard things because you could say like, oh, let's let's make it equal for the Woodlands and Trinity, but still, the the uh, somehow the Woodlands, I would just suspect that would still get the best teachers because if someone goes, hey, would you like to live in Trinity or would you like to live in the Woodlands, Texas? And it's like, well, especially if you're a doctor or sure. a nurse, it's like, where would you rather live? Sure. And I think there, like, I think that's going to be a huge burden going forward for a lot of the progressive thinking of like, let's make it, let's make it better. But it's like, you can't really build a hospital by Atlanta, Texas and expect the doctors to show. They do have a hospital in Atlanta, Texas, but like the the quality of it where you're going to attract the best surgeon in the world. Sure. You're still going to send your kid to, you know, Texarkana or like some other bigger town for certain things. Sure. So of course it's going to be a challenge, right? There's no one right answer to, to any of it, but there's no reason to not try to, provide the same quality of education as a Woodlands high school as somewhere like Trinity or anywhere else. There's no reason to not try to, to provide that type of education, right? Because there are people uh, that will do that. And we, if we have enough incentives for, for teachers to even 
people to even become teachers in yeah. the state of Texas. You know what's funny? I then, I was listening. Let me let me get that's you, something too. Let, let's let's bounce this off. I was listening to this rapper talk. His name's Killer Mike, and he <laughs> is a big proponent uh, of getting it back. And he's a very big proponent of like the black community, and mm-hmm. he thinks there's a lot of weaknesses of the because one of his theories was uh, a lot of the black business owners they don't pass on their business. They usually just sell out. And so that was, he's like, that's a big issue. You need to pass on so that way mm-hmm. black communities can stay strong and things like that. But he was talking about doing tax incentives to different public service folks. Mm-hmm. So, for example, he was talking about if you wanted to become a firefighter or a nurse or a teacher, you get a tax break on your house that you buy and things like because you're serving in that community. And if it has to be like, sure. you know, that kind of stuff. Does that exist today? Because I was like, that makes total sense to me if you're trying so, to attract a teacher. Oh, it's the places, Northern Exposure thing. Places do it on the local level, right? Yeah. This is not something the state would do. This is something places do on a local level. I mean, it's just it's the same thing as, you know, if, if, if you want to try to bring people back that grew up there, or you want to bring them back after college, for example, mm-hmm. then they might have a program where uh, you can apply and get a get the, your tuition paid to whatever university you want to go to, wherever it is. Yeah, we'll, but we'll, we'll pay for your med school, but you got to come, come back. back and you have to live here for X number of years and serve the community in that capacity. Um, and not get paid. Didn't you ever no, watch Northern Exposure? I mean, well, I feel like that's I know that that program existed, but I think it's more of that's to keep people in, but like to attract new people. Where it's like, let's make it affordable for these people who are going to be doing a job that they're never going to win the lot. Like it's not like winning the lottery. So it's sure. like you're going to, you know, you're going to be making X amount. Yeah. But it's like, how do we keep that person here for as long as we can? Because sure. to me, that makes total sense that you can work out some system because it's already complicated enough. Why make right. it a little bit more complicated? Right. And, and especially for the teacher thing, because that's to me a good way to solve a little bit of the issue. Like sure. like to go forward solving issues sure. is uh, like offering the people who do teach our children some incentive to live in this area yeah. because to me as a teacher and I'm sorry to all teachers, it's like you can kind of teach anywhere. Right. In a sense, it's kind of like a nurse. Like well, if you want to be can, a teacher, you can choose where you want to go. Yeah. Live like teach. you have a lot of opportunities. Yeah, sure. It's like, cause that's one thing. You can be a teacher anywhere. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're always going to school. Yeah. And so you're always going to be looking at the places that make sense to you personally. And uh, to me, that makes, if they had some program like that, that's a good idea. Well, Is that something that we get to do at the state level? What do you mean? Well, there are programs. It says uh, HERO is a program uh, to buy homes for first responders. You have VA loans for veterans, which is federal. And you can delete student loans if you teach for 10 years. So there's already federal programs in place for this. There's always kind of incentive programs you can can put in place. If you get enough buy-in to to put them in place, right? I mean. Well, I feel like it's uh, like, for example, Conroe. I don't know where Conroe High School stands in the whole spectrum of how good the school is mm-hmm. but if like would the city council be the ones that make the decision here in connor going okay we need to we need to do better education here let's do let's do some programs to incentivize teachers and faculty i, I don't would that be city council or would that be the board of trustees i don't CISD? know i was curious yeah i don't I, I don't know which entity would would handle that right because um but it would have to be if it, it depends on what the incentive is i would think mm-hmm. because if the incentive is uh you know a break on your property taxes of your home, for example, then it would have to be whatever that taxing authority is that's going to give you that break. They would be the ones that would have to put that plan in place. So it's probably the stupid county. Right. (laughs) So, you know, um, so that's that's who would have to 
to do incentive plans, especially if it came to, you know, giving a break on like property taxes. Well, I just feel like there's, there, there's newer ways to approach stuff. And I don't think, I think our current Texas government isn't being creative and trying to figure it out. I would agree. Well, when it comes to education. Because they don't sit and talk to each other. Well, yeah. And it's like, Let it's, me, can I give you a prime example of why, why we don't talk to each other, like in the legislature in the state of Texas? And I'll specifically talk about the Senate. And here's why, because here's what happens, you know, Several years ago, the Republicans in the Senate had a supermajority, which was two-thirds. They had, two th- they had over two-thirds of the Senate. And so you needed two-thirds vote to put a piece of legislation on the Senate floor for it to be debated. When they lost the two-thirds supermajority, and it's now at a three-fifths, the president of the Senate, who's the lieutenant governor— Who's that right now? Dan Patrick. He changed— Former sports guy. He changed the rules— Mm-hmm. So that now only a three-fifths majority is required to put a piece of legislation on the floor. I like it. <laughs> and he's already stated at the beginning of this year that if they lose one or two more seats, he's going to change it to a simple majority so that, once again, the Republicans in the Senate do not have to talk to their Democratic colleagues to try to get a piece of legislation it's, on the floor. And as a Republican, is, I say bad. This Shame, is a problem. Shame. This is not democracy. So, and it's do we not elect how him? it's supposed to work. Do we, does Texas elect them? Yes. And lieutenant governor? Yes. So like when I go to vote? This, not, not this cycle. Okay. They're, but, up in the, they're up in non-president. They're up in the midterm. So all the state seats here are up in the midterm elections. So 2022. Yeah, elections are in like a rotating cycle. That way not everyone gets That's right. at the same time. Well, am I not voting for you? Like, what, am I voting for you this This election? cycle. All the state all, governor, lieutenant governor, oh, attorney okay. general, okay. agricultural commissioner, it. land commissioner. It. Okay, yeah, because that, but again, there's just so much with that stuff. And I think that's one of the, the biggest struggles because we can go to your topic about campaigning uh, is people don't pay attention to this like it's a football game. They and don't. It, like, it, it's almost like it's the Olympics where they'll check it out for the two months and then it's like <laughs> they forget it exists. No one watches World that's Track right. That's right. throughout the whole year and then, like, I can't wait to see Jonesy Bugs run or whatever. <laughs> well, and, and see, that's the, the, that's the irony. I know I can name you 50 politicians off the top of my head. I cannot name you a single NFL player right now without knowing full well what team they played on. I can't do it. Yeah, it all gets down to perspective. Yeah, uh, I yeah. have no desire to learn football, even though I broadcast football games twice a week. Well, I think it's more—it's <laughs> not, you know. I just basically—I know the guy in the center doing this. That's the quarterback, <laughs> and that. So if you well, say, at least he's got that one down. If they tell me, you know, they'll tell me Thompson, but zoom in on number forty-two because if they tell me zoom in on the tight yeah, end, but you I'm could screwed. also, but you could also say that you pay attention to like theater stuff and things like that, right? And it's on it's a what basis. engages me. Uh, so you know, <clears throat> politics engages me. And there's a there's a conspiracy theory going around that uh, Skippy over here is an insomniac, which I would not doubt. Oh, that's how he's able to consume all. This I'll sleep when I'm dead. <laughs> so, uh, for, for what it's worth, I want I want to buttonhole it. I did a quick search, so take that with a grain of salt about needing certification to teach private school. The most recent article I saw was from 2018, which at that moment said you did not need to have certification. TEA certification to teach at a private school that may have changed recently. I don't know, but well, that's, I know, that's I know where somebody we are right there. where I work that before he came and worked there, uh, 
worked as a teacher, and he didn't have any of those certifications. Well, I got to say, at a private school for education for me, because my eyes have recently, in the last year or two, been opened up. That you know, now that I'm teaching for this academy, mm-hmm. Matt Academy, which is math, arts, theater, and trade. Mm-hmm. He's so worried I'm, that he's not certified. That's why. He's <laughs> well, no, out. I wanted to make sure because I knew as a teacher, I'd be like. I'd be a horrible lawyer in real life, but I'd be a great TV lawyer. <laughs> I kind of get disbarred in three minutes in reality. <laughs> Same thing with teaching. I yeah. ref- for to teach for an independent school district, I would get fired the first day because I can't track with that. You don't yeah. turn in your assignment, you're failed. Sure. Period. So with the alternative, wait, you can't do that. No. Frequently, uh, my uh, there's a friend with the initials JB who recently started teaching. And basically, the minimum grade is fifty percent or something like that. Even if nothing's turned in, or if somebody doesn't log into their I like it Zoom. No, 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 <laughs> no, like no, 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 no. Anyway, so but with alternative education, yeah, you know, especially homeschooling. Two, three years ago, I was all about homeschooling. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I'm teaching it. Now, sure. Starting January, we're going to mirror the the CISD syllabus. I get to choose topics that I'm good at and want to teach. Yeah. And this help prepare these kids for the real world. You know, the topics I'm teaching, even though sure. they're arts related, they have real world applications. So are these other classes that are being taught yeah. that you're not beholden to a CIS or, or an ISD kerfluffle. So as a state senator, mm-hmm. what do you feel of the viability of offering educational alternatives? Well, I, I you know, again, I'm not opposed to uh alternatives to education like number one i think we should really try to improve our public education system in general Mm -hmm. number one i mean because that's what the taxpayer money is used for and for 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 me you know an educated population is what makes for an exceptional democracy and and so if we want to continue to this experiment of this democratic republic we have we need to ensure that we have an educated populace and 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 voters Mm -hmm. and so that's why it's so important in my opinion for for public education to get the the due diligence it's deserved because i think that's the cornerstone of our democracy and so i think we fail in many uh regards in in relation to our public education and and that being said this is why people want choice because maybe they live in a you know, pardon my French, a crappy ISD that they don't like and they want an alternative to teach their kids because they just don't like it. And maybe they don't have the ability to just pick up and move to another. Not everybody has the ability to just say, you know what, I'm going to move to another district. People don't always have that choice. Right. Right. So, you know, we have to recognize that. And, and that's why people want choice. So I'm not opposed to there being choice, but there has to be rules, especially if you want to use taxpayer money for it. Yeah, I mean, because I always feel like that's where that's we, like where we make the worst decisions in government is where we try to bend a rule or circumvent a rule that it's there for a reason, and then it's like, but we'll do it temporarily, guys. We're only doing it temporarily yeah. because of this X Y Z situation where we got to do it. I'm, and so, that, like for me, for me personally, like I don't have children, but I don't complain about paying. I'll give you a couple of mine <laughs> if you want. But I don't complain about paying money into the ISD because I understand what the importance of public education but is. But you might be when your taxes go up because we're putting more money. <laughs> no, well, it. here's the thing. Like I said, I literally this if morning got my the state puts more money my in, new... my local property taxes will go down. That's how it's. That's how it would work, and that's the connection I'm talking about. Well, yeah, as much as my money? eyes bugged out this morning when I got from – because I have a company that – 
protest my tax increases mm-hmm. for me automatically. That's a cool job. And well, they said, sorry, you know, couldn't do it. And here's your new valuation. And I'm like, holy crapoli. What do I pay you for? And that's also part of the problem we have with our property tax burden. <coughs> right. Way, it's, is it's the appraisal district. I really wish my house was worth what they're telling me yeah, it's worth. I'd sell it in a heartbeat. was like, the appraisal district is like a fraud. Not fraud. <laughs> like he says, it's like, basically you can be on the appraisal district. Then you can also work somewhere in the government. And it's like here in Montgomery County, there's some fishy stuff going on because there's like a lateral movement between the appraisal district here. Well, and the appraisal then, district well, determines how much property tax you, you know mean, your house is worth, and then if you're also in another position that benefits from that, that's where you get well, iffy. Technically, the way the law is written is that elected officials uh, are not allowed to have any interaction uh, to sway the decision making of the chief appraiser, for example. That is what the rules say. Mm-hmm. And, and the appraisal district has two different boards, right? So uh, one board deals with the chief appraiser. The other board is a little bit different. They have a different purpose, right? So, so we definitely see interaction that with this other board go on. But, you know, I'm sure there's some that goes on with this. If we think there's no interaction between any of these folks, we're crazy. But when we look at the laws that are in place in general, there's no guidance. There's there, there sometimes seems to be no rhyme or reason why the appraisal district puts the value on your home that they do. I mean, think about it. If you own a $100,000 home, let's say you own it, you bought it today, the appraisal district can raise the appraised value by 10% every single year. That's mm-hmm. what they're allowed to do on a residential property. So if they just did that every year, ten years, after 10 years, your house is supposedly worth $300,000 in the appraisal, but we know that's probably not true in reality. But that's perfectly legal the way the system works in Texas. And by the way, if it's a commercial property, there is no limit on the percent they can increase a commercial property. And that's why you see some of these commercial see, properties is, might have a $100,000 value, and the next year they'll raise it to $2.6 million. This is why you don't talk because, to the government. You don't tell people what you're doing. Hey, I want to point <laughs> out Brian, that you just, you just there's, a, there's so. a Zoom history class listening into today's broadcast, so we want to keep that in mind. Let's get some education are we, are going we here. No, we no, no, no. I'm saying the other way. Okay. We have young ears listening in. Well, this is uh, a great I chance for them to those young suck ears up and too late to register to vote. <laughs> Missed it on Monday. <laughs> well, you, you got to be. Eight, I think they're under 18. Well, I know a place where you can uh, fix that and uh, you know fraudulently. <laughs> well, see, see, to me, education is the silver bullet. Everything stems from proper education. We yes. fix education, jobs, economy, foreign policy. I mean, you name it across the board. Everything it starts reduces, there. It reduces crime, less population in our jails. And I hate I to mean, sound like a broken record. does all of that. But that's why I love this new opportunity that's been given to me, because I know in, a, in an ISD I would just fail miserably, but with this alternative education. I think you keep, you're putting yourself out. I think you should give it a try. Well, let me get my feet wet with this, but I'm telling you, I think <laughs> I'd love I think to have you as a teacher. Well, then come to Math Academy. <laughs> So. Matt-Academy.com, just saying. That being said, and again, to help inspire these young ears listening to us, it can't be easy campaigning Yeah, right now. We're in a COVID world. I'm imagining you can't knock on doors like you, like you usually would. Talk to me about that. Yeah, so obviously, you know, our campaign put a, put a plan in place in January of what we were going to do to execute our plan throughout the course of the year until we got to Election Day. Um, and obviously, starting in... Uh, late February, we started Rodeo days. seeing the writing on the wall. Yeah, and by the time, obviously, we got to, uh, ironically, I think uh, if I remember the date correctly, it was March 16th, and I was actually in here doing the show that day. It was a it was a Monday, and that check was it the, out, Dick and Skippy. That was the first day I started working from home. 
because our office uh, went into a work from home mode at that point in time. And, you know, honestly, and then obviously we saw what happened. The shutdowns happened. Tens of millions of people lost their jobs. I mean, uh, it is, and and it, was, it was not a good thing. Oh, wait, some of them can vote, so keep that in mind. <laughs> and, and, and so that was, you know, obviously that was a terrible thing that, that we were enduring and still enduring today. Um, the bottom line is I made a personal decision. I, I, I said, you know what? I, I am not going to go ask people for money. I didn't think it was appropriate. I didn't care how much it may have hurt my campaign. I just like I know there's tens of millions of people that are hurting, uh, and and I just don't feel comfortable from a personal level asking me asking people for money for this political race at this point in time when people are going to be struggling to put food on the table or just keep the roof over their head. So I just wasn't going to do it, and I didn't, and I didn't care what the ramifications were. You know, could I have raised more money during this campaign? Absolutely. There's plenty of people that probably would have donated and had the resources to do it, but I just personally couldn't do it. So I didn't, um, you know, and, and as far as going out and doing things, I mean, I've become very proficient on Zoom. <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, you know, my 90 year old grandmother lives with me. So I am I'm I've been very selective and careful about what I do. I go to I, I, I will not hold an in-person campaign event. I will not do it. I don't care if it's outside. I just won't do it. Would this be I'm a not, campaign event? No, I don't think so. Yeah, because we're not worth it. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, we're buds here. This, this. So, so, so I, I, I don't do that. I don't hold in-person events. And if somebody invite, invites me to an in-person event, it depends on what it is and, and how I feel about going to it. And, 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 you know, from a personal perspective, not from a political perspective. And, and that's just how I've approached it. So it's been very difficult. And, of course, I'm not going to go knocking door to door. Um, I know a lot of what's been going on with a lot of the groups especially in the drive before uh, registering to vote ended on, on Monday, uh, was they were doing lit sticks on doors, which was really more geared towards reg making sure people were registered yeah. to vote. But they weren't knocking and trying to talk to somebody. They were just lit sticking. You know, <laughs> you know what you could do, Jay, and so, is take my Segway idea with the iPad and strap a, wife, uh, a cellular card on the back and you could drive it remotely <laughs> to car to houses, yeah. and then like hit it really like this, <laughs> and then it's like, hey, I'm Jay Silver. You have like your face on it, and be like, I'm you, trying to. You be. want the iPad and the Segway? Boy, that that just won't go away. And then it's like, we're I'm trying to be, you know, social distancing. So you know, yeah, take so, my flyer and it's like, Meh. so I, I so I'll say, you know, it's obviously been challenging, right? And and um. And, and that's okay. It was decisions I made from a personal level to, to do that. But, you know, Zooms, I will say this, you know, the, the, the Zoom-type meetings in some circumstances have helped me because there's been days I've done three Zoom meetings, like boom, boom, boom. Mm -hmm. But they were in areas of this district that if I was to actually do them in person in a car, I could have never done them because I couldn't drive from point A to point B quick enough to, to yeah. even participate. So so that in certain uh, to a certain extent has been very helpful because I've been able to, you know, sit at home and get on a Zoom call with a, with an organization or a group of people and have a good quality discussion. Um, not to mention that most of the Did, times you're on a Zoom, it gets recorded, it gets put Facebook Live. We and need it to gets set up a, a so. streaming room for you. So It has, like, your name everywhere and, like, where to vote and, like, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so... Uh, that, uh, that's my bedroom right now. <laughs> well, yeah, just be like, uh, just make it out your closet and just have your signs so, everywhere. Uh, so it's been a challenge. It really has. But you know what? I, I made personal decisions, and, and that's the reason I'm, you know, I am where I am today. And, and I, I'm completely comfortable with that. I can sleep at night. I don't have any problems. Uh, you know, uh, so from a personal level, that's how I feel about it. Uh, other people have done very different things. <laughs> 
other people I know uh, have certainly held in-person events indoors, no social distancing, no masks, and that, to me it's uh, irresponsible, and it shouldn't be what we're doing. Uh, right now well i what's interesting to me about that jay is like because i know uh, november is the end of election and the next election after november is what midterms midterms well there could be like is that march there could be municipal elections in between so there's always going to be elections every year well yeah i mean like what's the next one but the next big election is going to be the midterm right in 22 okay so that'll be the state government and because it's it's interesting because i don't know how long we're going to go with the covid mentality of stuff you oh, know. I feel shortly after election day we well, won't have I that. Well, I don't disagree with that. No, I, I don't I, agree with that at all. I, I don't agree with that at all either. The only but. reason I said is because we're getting the Sam Houston, the new president, on, and they kept contacting me about, you know, do we wear a mask on the air? And I was like, well, we don't wear a mask on the air because you couldn't hear anything. And and this is a no. This is like late November. She's coming mm-hmm. in, and I was and I was like, well, she can do whatever she wants. Like, I'm I'm not going to tell her no to anything. Sure. And it's like, well, we we feel more comfortable doing Zoom, and I'm like, is this. This week we're doing this, but this is like in November. Like, I feel like that's a well, long time. Well, I'm not time saying it's me magically November 6th. Well, okay, the votes are in, we're changing. Well, I'm but saying I'm saying come the end of the year, that's where the long term algorithms will have been in place as to like school going back. It, it's hard to determine the long term effects of. How do we know if school kids are in school right now? Well, that's what I'm saying. It takes three months to get the algorithms, the numbers together to see what the trends are. So you get near the end of the year, we can say, okay. Because I think that's what freaks me out there, Sean. We, we like, have 30 million students I, I go, I go infected, see my sister. but zero deaths or something I think what, that goes into I mean, it. The, the truth of the matter is I think what's going to happen here over time is he's right. I mean, obviously it takes time to collect data yeah. to, get a, to get kind of a good pro- projection of what's going to happen or forecast of what's going to happen in the future. Uh, but at the end of the day, as every day goes by, you know, in the medical community and the healthcare community, uh, they're looking at the therapeutics and how they can treat patients and what works with treating patients and what works better than others or what doesn't work in that respect. And obviously, at some point in time, we're going to get a vaccine, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it'll be a vaccine that, you know, is obviously not going to be 100% foolproof because I don't think there is a vaccine on the earth that does that. So we're going to have to take uh, two vaccines a year? But at the, at the end of the day... Uh, you know, my personal opinion is once we have a good set of therapeutics and how that the, the virus can be treated if you get infected, at, you know, from a hospital perspective or your, your general doctor perspective and how you can be treated, that's, that is, is a good treatment that will at least keep you from dying. Uh, and obviously once we get a vaccine, and I know how there, there's anti-vaxxers and all that stuff, and, and, and there's always going to be that, and that's fine. But I think once that that's, you know, uh, something that's it's on like the, the market. Trust of, of the so trust of the public. It's once like that's on the market and it's kind of proven, I mean, some people may wait depending on when it comes out to see how it goes. And then, they, then oh, they I'm a round two person. You guys go. You know, out. It's like the beta but, test on a software. I'll wait. Till. But at the end of the day, I think that's how it's going to be. And I think you know we should recognize that you know until we get to that point, the the way we're going to help improve you know our conditions that we're in, whether it's our economic conditions or yeah. whatever the case may be, is that. You know, I wear a mask everywhere I go. And is it because I'm afraid of anything? No, I'm not afraid of anything. I just know it's the right thing to do. It protects me. I know it helps protect my grandmother because she's 90 years old and I don't want her to get it because I'm stupid and, and pick it up somewhere. And I, I could get it too, even though I wear a mask or do whatever. But I, I practice social distancing and I practice washing my hands and I practice wearing a mask. If I can point and out real quick, because we got some of kind of ha-has on, you know, maybe the comments, you know, but you're in a studio and we're not wearing masks. So, you know, obviously we're social distancing. Mm-hmm. We have disinfectant. 
we're more than six feet apart. So, I mean, that would explain to those wondering, you know, why we're in a studio. Well, I don't think people it. realize we test every day here. Oh, I've, I've, I've checked myself. I got the. Yeah, we have a doctor outside that tests us, and it's like a 15 minute thing. It's, I mean, you guys, the reason y'all aren't doing it because you're not special like us. So, because we're, we're radio people, radio people get tested. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and I know it's kind of joking on, on the comments, but, I mean, it is a serious thing because, you know, I do other well, shows, too, that people are like, well, how come you're not wearing a mask? It's because optics, though. we're using common sense and other safety protocols. Well, I think and there's I'm, a lot of optics with it, and too. And that's how I look at it, right? Like, I, I take precautions I need to take, and if I'm going to, you know, sit and talk on the radio, and I know that we're distanced and things, you know, it's not like I'm sitting right next to anybody, and I know you guys. I've known you guys for We're not coughing in each other's mouths. We're not. Yeah, exactly. So, and and... And not that you have to have symptoms to do that kind of stuff, but I feel comfortable in, in that. Mm-hmm. Well, I will let you know, right? Jay, in the radio business, if you feel any way, this is outside COVID, if you feel any way sick, they don't want you there. Because, especially if you're like a cold or something, because you can't go on the radio, you sound different. So it's like, sure. we don't we don't want to chance anything, don't even show up. Even if you mm-hmm. feel like you have a little drainage, it's like, don't oh, yeah. come here. I mean, that's how I, mean, that's how I approach everything, right? So... You know, I, I, but I guarantee when I leave, I'll wear a mask, and when I do anything, and the first thing I'll do is put hand sanitizers on my hands. Is, well, isn't it funny how we all have to have our personal? It's almost like a personal philosophy or personal religion or personal safety protocol. Like yeah. for instance, my mother is incredibly high risk, but I refuse to wear a. I, I'll keep my dis. I haven't hugged my mother in months mm-hmm. because I don't want her freaking out seeing me in a mask. So when I go to visit her. I either wear a clear face shield mm-hmm. or no mask at all, but I keep my distance and I don't get anywhere near it. You know, I'll temperature check myself because mm-hmm. that's my personal thing. People are like, oh, you don't wear a mask around your mother. She'd be tripped out enough as it is. But if I go in with a surgical mask, I don't want one of my mother's last thoughts, you know, visions of me to be looking like that and scaring the the snot out of her. Well, and I live with my grandmother, so obviously I don't wear we don't wear masks in our house with each other. Right? Yet we so, don't want to kill old people, um, Jay. Yeah, I, d- I definitely don't want to k- kill grandma. So I mean, I do. So anyway, so that, so, so that so that's you know campaigning. It's a, it's a very different mm-hmm. uh, feeling. Uh, it, it's obviously a very different approach than than what obviously a normal campaign cycle looks like. Well, um, I do like the idea that you were but, saying that you're able to be in three different places within two hours yeah. without driving. And I see that becoming the norm going forward, especially when you're running for a position that covers a huge amount of area, like like a senator. Yeah. Like you're running for Senate District 4 in Texas. And uh, I would definitely—it's going to be funny to see—where I, I would you say you're doing Zooms? It's like you need to build your room. You need to have—because, <laughs> you know, cause you know, some people build those streaming rooms. Oh, yeah. So I think that would be a good idea. And uh, I think, and I think Zoom is going to be something for campaigning that sticks oh. around no matter. Well, it's what, like social media five years ago. No so one convenient. did it before then, but now it's like if you own social media, you can probably get the well. That's get the office. I, I will let you know, and I wanted to ask you your thoughts on this, Jay, because as a studio, we're getting in ready to uh, do more remotes. Mm-hmm. And part of the the service that I've noticed that people need when we do remotes is that they don't have their own PA systems. They don't have their own wireless mic systems, and they don't have, and what we do is stream stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? Maybe that's how we can partner on events that are doing forums, public speaking, or just general mm-hmm. events. Like, we could be that hub while broadcasting the radio stuff. It's like, 
well, if these forums are going on, no one knows if you're not there, you don't get to know what's going on. That's exactly right. And I was like, you know, it's not hard to transition. I mean, it's just a few more pieces of equipment. Yeah. And especially like doing political forums, there's only like one or two people talking at a time. So it's really simple. Yeah. Uh, and I see that being a need. It's like when you see that going forward, like the Zoom stuff, that's not hard to slip up on a screen. So if you can be there in person, but this person can't, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. I can totally see that being the norm. And well, uh, it's a lot more convenient and accessible for a lot of people. Um, you know, people are people. People will tend to get on something if they can sit in their living room in their in their favorite chair and, yeah. and listen to a forum, as opposed to, well, am I really going to get dressed? Am I really going to drive over there? Am I mm-hmm. really going? You know what I mean? Uh, so. Obviously, I like talking to people in person. I really do. I mean, I like the interaction, uh, you know, as, as, as a, as a, you know, somebody, a candidate running for office, you know, I still have to be careful with myself because yeah. a lot of times my initial instinct when I meet somebody the first time is to go, hi, <laughs> right? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, like this. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah. We could do the terrorist fist bump. Oh, yeah, you the, can do that too. The Obama fist or when bump. You, you know, you leave the underwear on the dresser when you're when you're doing the. Zoom. That's, that's right. You're like, oh man. Uh, <laughs> But you know, I, I think, and what's so amazing to me is the transition, like, there's a transition with, when I say mainstream media, I know it's now it's like a negative term, but it's like, the way these things are covered, there is a point where the messages is different. Because I feel like when you do forums, you do like that kind of stuff, that's long form, you're doing a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but then somehow when you get to like the higher end stuff, like the presidency, it's like, you don't see that kind of stuff. No, it's more the soundbite. Yeah, a forum like, enables you to yeah. establish a platform or a stance. And then if you do see it, it's either edited or in one way, like, you know, party-owned, yeah. in a sense. And and that, and that to me, is, it's kind of strange because so many people are so skeptical at that level. <laughs> but below, when I see you at a forum on Zoom, I'm like, this is, this is what I want to pay attention to mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I, encur- I encourage listeners who are there, check out that stuff. Then don't worry about what MSNBC or Fox is like doing their the town hall stuff. I love because you're trying to convince me these people aren't aren't you know vetted before or you know what I'm talking right. about. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, come on, guys, let's let's see what they're because because you, you know if they're a real undecided voter, someone's going to curse or something like oh, I hate sure. this guy or whatever. Well, you know, I I always take the approach when I do any kind of forum, town hall, whatever it is, that I I talk about issues that affect people. I talk about the issues that uh, affect people's pocketbooks. Uh, I talk about the issues that people talk to me about and and are important. And the the ones I talked about today are not the only ones that are there. There's tons of issues that that people deal with on a regular basis. I do appreciate you firing Bill O'Brien. I really do appreciate it because it seems like a lot of people are happy about it. The one guy I could name in the NFL and they that, fire him. You know, guys, Jay Silberger was responsible for yeah, that. He's so the much. sole person. Vote Jay. Yeah, who who got him out. Uh, well, we, we do have to be closing down the show pretty soon. So uh, what's the next event? I know you have social media. I know you use it a lot. So yeah. people will like your message, want to hear more about it. Are there it. any debates coming up? Probably virtual not. debates or yeah there's uh there's definitely no debates i mean i have i hate that i, I really haven't do. been fortunate enough in uh the last four years of running for office whether it was county judge or no this, one wants to debate people where like, uh, i would have a debate with my opponent they they decline they have always i gotta declined. run against jay on something just so we can have a debate and have well one. like my dad he used to be a big debater like he's trophies and stuff and he hates anything that goes on in politics when it comes to a debate yeah. he's like this isn't a debate like, right like this is insane. Like I don't understand why. Like this isn't helping anything. Yeah. And I, I'm surprised that. And well, I, the presidential I, debate. I agree. Well, <laughs> well, not even like even debates here. 
that the problem here locally is some people, people don't, don't happen. People don't show up. Yeah. It's like that's my yeah, that's yeah. my point. And it's stupid because I think they should do like they should not a mandatory, but like I don't know if it's a a public image thing where it has to be tied to an organization that is perceived as prestigious. Like you want to be at this debate. Well, I think it's more important that honestly, I think it's more important that the organization that holds a debate is a non-political organization, mm -hmm. right? I mean, like the League of Women Voters, for example, right? They're a nonpartisan group that does voter guide type stuff and gives Lone both Star sides. Lone Star Community Radio. There you go. You know, so so I, I to a certain degree, I understand. I mean, I understand why, you know, if, you know, the young Democrats of whatever want to have a, a candidate debate and they invite both sides, I can kind of understand why the opposite side would, would maybe See, not See, I'd be all over come. that. I'd be the first Republican I'd to go, show up there. I'd go. I mean... I don't. I, I love going well, to you know. I love going into places where it's you know a Republican organization because if they're willing to listen to my message mm -hmm. uh, and listen to what I stand for, then you know, uh, quite frankly, what happens more often than not, if 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 people actually do come up and talk to me and, and engage me about the issues and they listen to my answers. They don't walk away from me going, oh, my God, he's some crazy. They walk away from me. I, I'm voting for you. Can I get there's a T-shirt? There's got to be a little crazy about it. I love, like, so, what was that one guy? We had it, and he was running for judge. Oh, God. And then all of a sudden, he got a little crazy on us. He, I loved it. Yeah, talk about going outside about the abortion. mandates of your jurisdiction. Yeah, about, oh, yeah. it was. He was talking about Roe v. Wade, and I'm like, aren't you <laughs> civil court local position here and hey so, uh krista from montana's uh, tuning in and she's asking why don't we host local on-air or facebook well, debates in I, the studio we she uh, tune in. that is something that we're very interested in doing we used to do it we tried to do it like four years ago but uh the main issue we ran into was when we would pick a date someone wouldn't show up i say we hold it anyways i don't care if one yeah. person well, shows no, up no we just trash talk that person I would totally do that. Well, like, I did. I did a debate during the county judge race that, you know, my opponent declined to come to, but they still held it. So I, I basically yeah. got the floor the whole time. Well, I'll, and I'll they work, still asked me I the mean, same cause, questions. Because I think there, there's venues here that we could definitely hold it, like the Owen Theater or something, uh, or you know, in a COVID safe. And I guess that I, I feel like next year we won't have to worry about the COVID safe stuff. Will but we? I was at the Owen last weekend for OA Melvin's memorial service, and the place was set up. You know, you had alternate rows blocked off. There was social distancing. It worked just fine. Well, I'm more, I'm more focused on streaming it. And, and they we, streamed it at the same time. Yeah, because we could do it in here. But I, the thing that I always envisioned about a debate here in the Montgomery County area is get a lawyer to moderate it. Like, like, try to find somebody who is king of the debate team or something like that, you know, in high school, who has, like, an idea of how to moderate. And then that's the way it goes, because I think a lot of people don't understand what a debate is. Yeah. And or what a moderator is, which yeah. is why I should moderate. Well, I would not let you moderate, uh, just because you look funny on, on camera. Uh, <laughs> I look like Santa. Well, see, I'm playing Santa Claus this Christmas time <laughs> for a kid show, which is why the beard's coming out that's the way fine. it is. But, yeah, I think, Jay, that I... I, I that sucks that people don't debate, and especially in this county, because I can see that just, I mean, they're cowards. I wish they, I wish they would. I, 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 you know, I've always been open to doing a debate with any opponent I've had in, in either of these two races, you know, because I want a debate to me is about talking about your view, your visions of the issues and how you think you can tackle the issues, and the, the debate from the other side would be, well, here's how I think the yeah things, and that's what a debate should be, and it, mm -hmm. and it also you know engages the voters and lets them hear the perspective of both candidates and, and i think that's important which goes back to my theme of vote for candidates and not parties 
Uh, yeah. I think it's so important we do that because, you know, when you... Well, we'll work on that. So I need some help from the audience. When's the next uh, When's the next election here? We are kind of talked about in 2022, I guess it was. I mean, the next big election is going to be 2022. I mean, there'll be elections in between there, but the next big election will be in 2022. Okay. Well, we'll t- I think we should try it out. I think... Uh, I'd be all over that. We'll definitely be able to do it and produce it. Because we did cover a form one time. And but I didn't have any say of the structure, and I hated it because no, I think we should host one. Yeah, because the, it was not radio friendly, and yeah. I was like, I try to tell these people, it's like you need to introduce the stuff every time someone speaks. You need to introduce yourself because it's on the radio, and people don't know what they're seeing. You know, like yeah, they don't yeah. know voices. They can't see it, <laughs> and like no one followed that. And I was like, this is a this is a mess. And I think that's something that we, we could host it. I think we could definitely do discussion based stuff here in the studio, mm-hmm. but actually host a genuine like we have two podiums. And that are three or ten or whatever it is, and then uh, and definitely broadcast. And if so. one person shows up, it becomes a town hall, but a real town hall with the same, as you said, the same questions are lobbed mm-hmm. um, to that particular candidate's way. I'm all for that. Well, and to me, you know, uh, debates uh, debates are about debating, right? It's mm-hmm. about debating the topics and the issues that affect people. And and I look at politics. I mean, to me, politics. This sounds weird when I say it to people. Because politics is personal to people, I get that point. But for me, it's not about being personal, like attacking personal, mm-hmm. you know, somebody personally. You know, I'll call, you know, I'll call attention to somebody's record that that is a public record uh, on how they vote on issues or what what the case may be. But that's the whole point, I think. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's not a. I don't personally attack anybody. I've never personally attacked anybody. Uh, I don't call people names. Um, because you know, I still believe that we have to be able to have the ability to sit at a table. Well, you might, you might work with that person on the road. On. That's ex- and you don't get anything done. <laughs> you might be their vice presidential candidate a few months later. One, one state Oops. senator gets nothing done. Yeah. You have to work with colleagues on your side of the aisle and the opposite side of the aisle to get things done, or it never gets done. Bingo. Dick and Skippy in the mornings. we got to go, guys. We've it's, been having too much fun here. Great conversations. Keep them going online. Good yeah. to see you guys. We had Jay yeah. Silverberg in the studio, folks, for all the information about he's running for Texas Senate District 4. It's uh, available in the description. And if you have questions for Jay... Uh, In case people are listening, where's the, what's the website what's or the, Facebook uh, Jay, page? com, And that has links to everything. There you go. You've been listening to Dick and Skippy. Uh, we're going to try to get some people for uh, this weekend's uh, Catfish Festival because it's happening this weekend. Tickets available online. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to try to get someone in Friday morning. They're already setting up for the carnival. Because I got locked in here last night, I was like, "What is this crap?" <laughs> and uh, but it's you know it's the burden I have to deal with once a year to have this so much fun festival going on. So uh, yeah, so we're gonna try to get someone in from the Catfish Festival coming in on Friday morning. Uh, do want to let people know uh, they are doing the social distancing thing. I think I mean they're pretty much doing everything they can do uh, for it. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, there Just you go. Everyone use common sense. That's all I can say. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, We'll see you guys later. Peace. Today's show was recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and all rights and ownership are reserved to Lone Star Community Radio. For more information regarding this program and Lone Star Community Radio, visit us online at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station, serving the community with local programming on TV, radio, and online. If you enjoyed today's program, please support us by sponsorship or starting your own show. Contact us today by phone or text at 936 666 
1084 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.